behind the shades. It was the year of the pivot is what I say, because we all had to just learn how to pivot, you know? Absolutely. We had to, um, <laughs> we had to learn to interact a different way. Virtual hugs versus in-person hugs. And what else have we done that's, we can't see people like we would normally want to. And I think that's that's one of the toughest things for me personally. Yeah, the community is lacking. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why we're experiencing some of the issues that seem to be <laughs> rampant and all over the news these days, right? Yes, yes, and that was my greatest concern from the beginning. And where where has the attention to that been? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the the upside to that is because everyone is home. At least, you know, everyone is within arm's length, mm -hmm. right? Like you can reach out and touch you, hug your daughters yes. if you wanted to. It's just um, family members outside of your house. I think that's the burden yes. because um, there's aunts and uncles that was in Toronto, Canada. They say that don't visit outside. Don't visit anyone that's outside of your household. So you can't even see your family if you wanted to, right? Unless obviously if you meet up somewhere and you meet up outside, but it's not the same versus let's say if I want to come over to meet your family at your house. It's taboo now. It's like a big no-no. Which, which is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Mine too. Mine too. But we will adapt and we will continue to grow. And I'm sure yourself and myself will continue forward with smiles on our faces. They might be fake. But so let's officially get started. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. I have the very funny, the very entertaining, the very lovely Melissa. Not Lauren, who she came in under that disguise earlier, but you know, it, it is Melissa. So Melissa, why don't you let everyone know who you are and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I don't think my children think I'm funny, so I appreciate that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. We've got a 12-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. Live in sunny Tucson, Arizona, and I'm a holistic health and life coach, helping women break free from sugar and stress eating so they can be calm, confident, and in control, because I have not always been that way. So, And we're going to learn more. Thank you for sharing. And I must say that Growing up, I didn't eat a lot of candy outside of Halloween. Mm -hmm. And I know we're probably dating ourselves by mentioning trick-or-treating, but there was a time where you actually went out door-to-door -door and you got candy. But I have noticed that as an adult, I not that I eat a lot of it, I eat more of it. Right? I will actually go out and buy a box of cookies where in the past I didn't. Um, so when you say that you're helping women give up sugar, what exactly does that mean and entail? It basically means not needing sugar as a coping mechanism to get through your day. Because I was that mom who was so overwhelmed and exhausted that I was pushing the feelings down. I was using the sugar to get through the day, to give me energy. And really it's not about not having sugar, but it's about having a healthy relationship with sugar and knowing how it impacts you and your body and, and just how it affects you because we're all different. So how did it, so give us a point of reference, how did it affect you and how does it affect, let's say, myself or others in general? Because I guess your situation would be more specific because you've lived it. Mm -hmm. Sure, so I think for me, um, sugar made me really anxious and it made me really angry. 
And I didn't realize why until I went to school and I learned all of this, but we have the blood sugar roller coaster. And it's basically our body's way of sending out the sugar and the insulin to kind of regulate our body because our bodies are always looking for balance. And when you are at the bottom of that blood sugar roller coaster, your body's crashing and essentially needs more fuel or energy in order to keep going. And so that can come across as mood swings, that can come across as anxiety, um, you can be sweaty, you can be um, nervous, like it can just impact people in several different ways. Most of the time it is with mood swings. <laughs> so what kind of, so describe to us, like what would be a mood swing or a typical expression of a mood swing? I have a perfect example because it happened on Thanksgiving day. We were setting up the Christmas tree. We had our Thanksgiving meal at noon and we were setting up the Christmas tree and it was probably four or five in the afternoon by this point. And I hadn't eaten anything since our noon meal. And we were putting up the Christmas tree and one of the children was like, you don't need to put all the ornaments up mom. And I'm like, yes, I do that. Like it just was this crabby person that came from out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I need to eat. Cause I could like my mood, my energy, like everything was just tanky and I could feel it, but I wasn't like aware that I needed to eat something to make my blood sugar go back up. <laughs> Are you at the point where you can um, predict or you can understand that it's that? And how did you reach to that point? Yeah, absolutely. So I've gotten very in tune with my body and what it needs and when it needs it. And kind of, it's kind of like motherhood. You, you learn to anticipate these things ahead of time. So I've just gotten used to knowing, you know, how to listen to my body and what it needs and when it needs it. And I think that's been a real game changer and getting quiet and listening to my body instead of just going on autopilot and doing all the things and packing the lunches and getting everybody out the door and you kind of neglect yourself in that space. And so just really getting quiet and learning how to listen and navigate my body and what it needs. And you made a good point because um, I always find that there's, it seems like, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you have the personality type because you're a mother, because you're a wife, and because you're a caring person, that you spend a lot of energy, this enormous amount of energy, um, assisting others. And sometimes you would forget yourself, right? And you would have these swing mood swings um, because, yes, uh, maybe you need to eat something, you need your sugar, but it also is it also in a way that your energy is depleted because you spent so much time catering. Well, I also use the word catering because that has a negative connotation. You spent all this time focusing on others. And by the time you want to turn around and focus on yourself, your energy level is so low. That's why you have these swings. Is that an accurate depiction? It's totally accurate because the other thing I learned in my training is that energy yes we get energy from food and that's a huge source of our energy but we also get energy from activities and if you're not doing things that nourish your soul and energize you that that doesn't help either and so i think i was doing both and right i was you know catering like you said to everybody around me and tending to their needs and then not eating enough and it just was not a good combination <laughs> do you find sometimes that um something that a lot of mothers will will go through um, just because you will say that they're the first teachers of culture to the child, right? 
they're the first instructor that the child will will grasp. It's not to take anything away from the fathers. It's just the bond initially is so much stronger with with the mother and the child, and then they're teaching the, the child from the moment they're breastfeeding or if they're on um, bottle feeding. They're the very first point for a lot of the development of the child. Do you find mothers suffer from that um, quite a bit in your experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so much guilt and shame associated with that almost. Like we think that we are a bad mom if we do something for ourselves or if we, um, you know, go for a walk and we need a break. Like there's this stigma almost that we are, these things that we do make us bad or not as good. And I don't know where that comes from. So what kind of experience um, created you? Like what kind of experience made Melissa who she is and wanting to help others realize that, you know what, just because you focus on you doesn't make you a bad wife or mother. Yeah, I definitely think kind of like you were alluding to my, my childhood formed that my dad died when I was two. So I was raised by a single mom. And I think um, that definitely shaped me and and formed me in in many ways. Um, But I think because of my childhood and some things that I went through, my mess kind of became my message because I started using sugar at a young age. I can remember being probably seven or eight and hiding sweets in my bedroom and getting mice in the house. They were eating my sweets and they pooped on the bed and I got in trouble for that. So that's was my coping mechanism, even as a young child, was going towards the sugar and the food to kind of comfort and self-soothe. And so once I worked through like what caused that and the why, behind the why that I was doing that and found freedom, I really wanted to help other women find that freedom because I know that other women are stuck and they're doing the same thing, but we just don't talk about it. Absolutely. And since you mentioned that you went through this as a young child, was there any concerns like with weight or was it just like a sweet tooth? It was all of the above. I have been all over the spectrum. So when I was younger, I was overweight. Um, and then I went through high school and didn't think I was thin enough. So didn't eat. And then later after college, I would say I got into binging to kind of stuff and not work through some of the things that had happened in my life that needed to be addressed. I was just pushing them down. So I've always had a very interesting relationship with food. (laughs) I know sometimes um, some people will say that um, there's a number of us who eat our problems away, right? They'll if they have a hard day, if they have like um, a fight with their partner, they'll turn to food and it's comforting because the food doesn't judge, right? The food, and you know what? I love sushi. Food is such a comforting creation, right? Um, You mentioned that you had some difficulty in your childhood because your father passed and and you were raised by a single mother. Was food at that age escape for you? I think it was. I think I used it to soothe. And I think looking back, my mother did the same thing. So it definitely was a learned behavior. I have memories of going to my grandparents' house. And the first thing she would do when she'd get in the door was make a beeline for the cookie drawer. And she would always grab two or three cookies. And then of course she'd give me two or three cookies. And so it kind of just became this, I don't know if it was a way of bonding. I don't know if it was I don't know what it was, but there's definitely something to that. How did you break that cycle at such a young age? Or did you realize it 
as you got older? As I got older, it was, I mean, this has been with me more. I mean, I've been more towards the sweets and the sugar than I haven't been, to be honest with you. Um, Cause it was about seven years ago now that I think that I, I broke free and I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and what did you do when you, when you realized that you broke three, did you like throw a big party or did you just jump in the air and you said, yes. That's pretty much what I did. And I took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see that picture now. Yes, I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, so you touched on like mothers and you're helping them. Um, what's some of the difficulties that you find with motherhood that maybe some mothers don't necessarily want to talk about? I think it is the hardest job on the earth. And I don't feel like there's a lot of training for it, to be honest with you. I feel like so many of us know what we came from and where we came from. And we either want to recreate that or we don't. And regardless of if we do or we don't, if we don't want to recreate that, how do we learn a new way? How do we retrain everything that we knew? Because those habits and those patterns and that conditioning is so ingrained in us that you really need almost like an intensive on to reparent yourself and your family differently than the way that you were raised. And they're just, I don't think are a lot of resources out there for people that want to do it differently. Yeah. I look at the, well, when we could go to the bookstore on a regular right? basis, <laughs> I look at that. And when it comes to parenting, I think the two biggest aisles in bookstores are parenting mm-hmm. and sexual situations, I guess I can call them, right? So I look at the parenting aisle and there's books upon books upon books. And even though I don't have children, I just have a, have a dog. And I remember the research I went into just to learn how to, you know, train a dog and grow them and, and everything. It's similar, but definitely not the same. No disrespect to dog owners, but there is a difference between having a child and having a dog. <laughs> but no matter how much you read, in my experience, you still have to go out there and do the job because if you rely solely on the books, there's a lot of information out there and it could be overwhelming, right? You, absolutely, right. You have two children and you can say, you know, I want to raise my children to be this. Let's say you're one of those people that you're very, you're well-read and you go grab 10 books, it's 10 books, 10 different authors, 10 different perspectives. 10 different types of children and they may not be <laughs> yours. Like, yes. How do you tell a parent, how do you tell a new parent, okay, you know what? Here's the guideline. Like, what do you tell them at that point when they've just become a new parent and they're dealing with some of the issues that maybe you dealt with and trying to break free? Gosh, I think the biggest thing, if I could go back, would be that one size doesn't fit all. And I think it's kind of what you alluded to with the books is I think we live in such a society that we want what worked for one person to work for everybody else. And we almost want this blueprint of how to do it. And it's just like you said, you know, like your children might be different than my children, but you've written this book. And while you and I might be the same, our kids might be totally different. And so I think a lot of it is, is there's just so many different circumstances and situations and it's not a one size fits all thing. So I think to be curious and give yourself grace and just know that you're learning as you go is probably the best advice. Cause it's, it's, there's no, there's no guidebook. And if you're a type A like me and you want to know how to do it, it's kind of hard. <laughs> What's some, what's some of the lessons that you've learned along the way 
in your journey throughout motherhood? I think to let go of expectations. That's been a really big one. Um, Cause I would find myself, you know, finding I would have an expectation of this is how something would go and it wouldn't go that way. And then I would get disappointed or upset or mad and just kind of, I let my unmet expectation kind of sour, like put a sour taste on the whole thing, which is really unfortunate because there's so much good in those moments. And I think just because you have a bad moment doesn't make you a bad parent. These like self, these expectations that maybe you created for yourself because you wanted motherhood to go a certain way, or is it born out of experience? Oh no, it was all about having that picture, you know, the the white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, the dog, everybody like girls in hair bows, like all the things. <laughs> I, remember, I remember I made a joke that um, when someone, one of my friends asked me if I ever get married, I told him, of course, I want the white picket fence. I want the 2.5 kids. I want the dog named Sparky. And I want the car that I will be fixing until I retire in the garage. I want it all. And they turned to me, they said, you actually want two and a half kids? I was like, yeah. Either I want, you know, I told them, I don't want literally half a child. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm just, it's American dream, right? Yes. That's what yes. you want. And, you know, and you you walk outside and you do your little wave to your, <laughs> to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. But that's the dream, right? But we have to come as close as possible to that dream. And everyone else's, and your dream might be different than mine, but it's a variation of that because I think each and every one of us wants two major things in life. One, we want to feel loved mm-hmm. and we want to feel important. Absolutely. I know you mentioned to me about self-neglect and you touched on it um, during our conversation today and you applied it to motherhood. And to be honest, most um, the first time I heard it applied to motherhood was actually with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does self-neglect in motherhood mean? Help define it for us. Yeah, I think it just means neglecting yourself because you're a mom. You know, I feel like so many times we as as women, as mothers, as wives, we have all these roles that we feel like we need to fill or that we have to do or have to be. And I think it's easy to feel like you can't do all of those things at once. Some people can. I, I couldn't do it very well. <laughs> um, so it's almost like letting some of those things go in order to do this other thing. And so in a way, it's almost like a dream dying in a way for a season. Um, I think that's the other piece of advice to answer. The earlier question is that everything is just for a season. It's not going to be that way forever. Um, Because I got stuck in the mindset of, oh my gosh, I'm always going to be changing diapers. I'm never going to get a full night's sleep. I mean, it's, it's draining physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the ways. Um, and so I just, I, I felt very stuck and like, I would never be able to do the things that I felt called to do, which is a lie. Um, cause I was able to just not all at once. So I think just giving yourself grace in those seasons and knowing that if something feels neglected, you can pick it up later, but don't neglect your self care. You've got to nourish yourself. You've got to get enough sleep. You've got to move your body. You need to take care of yourself because you can't take care of your family if you're not caring for yourself. Just hearing you say that reminds me of one of my friends that she had her second child about two months ago. And she, before that, before the pregnancy, before she got pregnant, she was stressed. Um, She neglected to a degree her health. And when she became, when she realized she was pregnant, she became pregnant, she's having the child. Now she was at a point where her mental and physical fitness wasn't where 
it needed to be. You throw in a young child and to all the mothers out there and to all the fathers out there, I'm going to let you guys know, new mothers aren't getting any sleep. <laughs> right? So she develops, she's having headaches now. She's having high blood pressure because her body is being pulled in all these different ways. And I went to her and I told her, you need to focus on you because if you're not healthy, if something were to happen to you, you will be no good to your child, right? So yes, to the moms out there, and Melissa, I'll, I'll let you comment on it as well. We're not saying pick your child up, put them in front of the TV and don't come back. <laughs> we're not advocating that. What we're saying is that make sure your child is taken care of, but also make sure that you're taken care of. So how would someone continue to do something like that, Melissa, when they're finding it so difficult to say that, you know what, I can't get any time to take care of myself. What would you tell them? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to applaud you for saying that to your friend, because that takes a lot of courage to say that to a new mom. So good for you for telling her that because she needed to hear it. Um, and I know a lot of people don't always tell us things that we need to hear. So good for you for doing that. You're a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... The thing is to figure out where you're spending your time. Because I remember when, you know, we had our first and everyone was like, well, when the baby sleeps, you sleep. But little Miss Type A here, I'm like, no, I've got to get things done. I need to cook and I need to clean. So I didn't rest when she was napping because I had things to do in my mind. Got to meet that expectation. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, just make sure that you're giving yourself what you need and to release the expectation. If you need to take a nap, take a nap. If you need to go for a walk, go for a walk. You know, if, if you can put your child in a stroller or take them with you or go to the park, like figure out a way to make it work. Cause you can always figure things out. There's always a solution. It just might not be the first thing that comes to your mind. So just make sure that your needs are met and you're getting what you need in terms of sleep and hydration and food and, and just the basics, the basics of, of health actually. How were you able to um, organize your time? Like, how were you able to do that? To find the time to make sure that you were um, in a in a place where, you know what? I look good. I feel good. I am going to be good. How did you get to that point? It happened after my kids were older, to be honest with you. I didn't figure this out until they were in school. And so that is a good question. Looking back... I think I probably could have used the time differently when they were like in preschool or, you know, had had someone come in maybe during a week. I don't know. I could have figured something out. But for me, it didn't happen until they were in school and I had more time on my hands. Um, but my 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 game changer is getting up early. I get up before my family and I have that time just to have my me time. I drink my coffee. I read. I journal. I just spend some time in quiet in the morning because I need that. <laughs> um <laughs> And I know not if your child isn't sleeping through the night, I'm not advocating you get up early, but if you are getting a full night's sleep, maybe getting up before your family could really, you know, be a game changer for you too. So now this is probably going to be my favorite question now that you've said that. <laughs> now that your children are older, mm -hmm. how much time do you spend on you and how much do you love it? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I have never calculated it. Man, you're going to make me think. <laughs> I, I work out every day. That's about 30 to 45 minutes. And then I get ready. That's about another 30 minutes. I don't know. I would say maybe an hour, 
maybe an hour to two hours a day. I don't know. Cause I'm also doing stuff around the house and running a business and I don't think it's extravagant, but I don't think it's, it's not anything either. So it, it seems like a good balance for this season. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And I'll say that's a good time because I'm, I'm the type of person before I started this podcast, before I launched my, my business in September of last year, well, May of last year, then my first episode podcast was September. I look back now and I find I have more time now just because my focus has changed. If you ask me, Melissa, just in 2019, if you ask me, could I spend two to three hours Monday, Wednesday and Friday talking to people like I'm talking to you? I'd be like, I don't know, right? Because two things always happen. You either make an excuse or you underappreciate how much time there truly is in the day. You work nine to, let's say it's nine to five, you work eight hours, you sleep seven, that's 15. You have nine hours. It's a lot of time. (laughs) It's a lot of time, right? And you tell me you're, you're working out. That's an, that's an hour. There's some people could even work out one day a week and you're doing it as often as you're doing it. Right. Did you find that your your mindset and your focus had to change as well as your kids got older and you started to find now you have more time to do different things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think that was probably the first thing was, you know, what? I am worth taking care of and I matter and my health is important and how I show up in the world is important. And it it's an investment in time, to be honest with you. You know, they say that you can tell where what's important to you by where you spend your time, your money and your energy. Perfect. So tell us, I know you mentioned your business. Tell us a little bit about your business um, and some of the goals that maybe you're looking to achieve through that business. Sure. I just want to help women because I know what it's like to be in that place where maybe you have tried all of the diets and you've you've tried all of the programs and you don't feel like anything has worked. Um, And it's not about weight loss for me. It's more about helping women really love themselves and learn how to listen to their bodies and be calm and confident and feel like they're in control of their lives and around food and in situations where maybe they haven't felt before. Um, I know for me, I used to second guess myself in a lot of things. And, and I think having children kind of made that worse. Um, so really just helping women to be calm and confident and knowing how to listen to their body. So I just want to help them find freedom because I know what it's like to be stuck, you know, binging in the pantry on the Oreos or living off of the lattes and think I'm never going to be able to stop doing this because it, it just tastes so good. But I know that you can be free and I want to help you find freedom. So that's my goal. That's what I do. And it's super awesome. I just got an email from a client today and she's like, so my goal isn't to lose weight, but it's really to love myself and my body and learn that as, as I go and really change my habits and my mindset around food and my relationship with food. And I think that's beautiful. I think I will agree. I think that's beautiful as well. And I'm truly amazed how there's so many people um, that you can say, if you were to ask them, do you love yourself? It must be heartbreaking to hear the person pause and actually have to think, like, I don't know. I think I love myself yesterday, but today, right? Like, have you, like, how do you talk to someone or how do you have a how do you, how do you discuss with someone that is hesitant or maybe even unsure to say, I love myself. Like, shouldn't it be something that 
as soon as you ask within seconds, it's such, it should be come out so quickly because it's second nature to love yourself. There shouldn't be any doubt. Yeah, I think the key is to figure out where that belief came from because our beliefs really create our experiences. And so I think a lot of times we have been conditioned to believe that we don't matter, we're not worth taking care of, nobody will like us, whether it's from those voices from childhood, whether it's, you know, parents or school or where those voices came from, but really to figure out, okay, where did this belief come from and how do we replace it with the truth? Because that belief and that old programming isn't working for you. We're able to overcome, we're able to help others overcome that. And like, what would be the process? I know you touched on it just now, but what would be the process if someone were to say, what's up today? I don't love myself because I find that late at night, I'm spending an unusual amount of time in the fridge. Um, I'm using it to escape my problems at work. Um, I'm finding it difficult to get through my day to address my issues without eating. Mm -hmm. What would be the process to help that person? Yeah, so that I think um, would be identifying, you know, where, where does that desire to eat come from in that moment? Like, what are you looking for the food? to do for you. Um, but I have a 12 week program where we really go over all of that. And one of the lessons is really beautiful. It's all about woundology and learning where did those wounds and where do those hurts come from and who do we need to forgive in order to move forward and to change our thinking. And sometimes it's ourselves. Sometimes it's someone who's spoken something over us or said something to us or about us. And we really need to release that so that we can go forward. Because a lot of times that's where the block is, is we get stuck and caught up on those old, old things that have happened in our lives or have been spoken over us that we need to find freedom from. Yeah, and I think we all need to reach a point where anything that is affecting us from our past because the childhood is so impactful on our adulthood. Um, we need to find a way to maybe move on. Um, mm -hmm. Forgetting is, is sometimes difficult to forget the hurts and the pain that we felt. But if we can use it to motivate us, to inspire us, to make us um, rebuild a bridge that was maybe torn down from a bad experience with a friend or a partner or whomever, I think we all will be better off i guess my next question since you have a daughter right is um do you find that since you were able to be on this journey um i know you mentioned that from your mother she would give you food and there would be that bond is that broken meaning that you don't have um the same type of food relationship that you had with your mom with your daughter like she's not suffering or she's not being impacted by what you went through in regards to food absolutely um yeah i i try really hard to because i think food is such an interesting thing because it is so celebratory in our culture and we do use it to you know celebrate and to enjoy and it, it's a beautiful thing um, I think it's just important to look at how we're using it. So I try really hard to do things with my kids and specifically my daughter that don't necessarily have food as the focus. Um, you know, it snowed here yesterday. So I said, oh, do you want me to make a snack? So I, I baked some healthy lemon bread, um, but just really trying to be mindful of 
of their relationship with food and what that looks like, especially for our daughter, because she's 12 and, you know, she's entering that season and just really trying to help her listen to her body and understand when she's full and when she's hungry and what she's really hungry for. So I, I don't think I'm recreating those patterns with my children, thankfully. That's good news. And I would say that I'm hungry for some of that lemon bread right now. <laughs> Send you a piece. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I think it's all about control, right? Like when you're hungry, you stop. When you're, sorry, when you're not hungry, you stop. When you're hungry, you you consume. And it's good that you, you're able to identify that. Because um, I think a lot of our struggles or a lot of our um, day-to-day issues is because we haven't broken a cycle. You can trace it back to, you know, your grandmother went through this, your mother went through this, you went through this. And now that you have kids, you're kind of like, am I going to go through this with her? <laughs> you know, you begin to you begin to think that. And it's good to hear that um, that wasn't necessarily um, an issue. So far, Lord willing, it hasn't been, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> the next generation of women. What would you tell the next generation of mothers coming up and why? Hmm. I think this is going to so, sound so contrary to what we are told in society, to be honest with you. So I hesitate to say it. Um, but the first thing that comes up is that you can have it all but you maybe just can't have it all at once. Cause I think we feel this tremendous pull of, oh my goodness, I went to college for four years. I have this degree. I can do all these things and I can be this working career path mom. And you absolutely can, but I would encourage you to consider at what, what is the expense of that? What does that look like for you? In the same way, like if you have this degree and you have all these career plans and you, you put that on hold to stay home and raise your kids, what does that look like? So you can't, you can have it all, but I don't know that you can have it all at once. And I kind of think that's a lie that we've been fed because it created this big tension in me of, oh my gosh, I'm missing something. I, I should be able to do this and this and this, but I always felt like I was missing something. I will agree with that. And you know what? I, I will say that it's like, I'm going to take it from my perspective. I want to be a husband. I want to be a father. I want to be a career man. And I'm saying I need to, and I had this conversation with another person. But I need to do all three, all four, between the age of 30 and 35. And then a certain amount of time every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I just spent the majority of my teens and my 20s in school preparing myself to do this. Now you're telling me I only have five or 10 years to, to accomplish it. And I think, generally speaking, it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And then we burn out and we're frustrated and we're overwhelmed and we're all these things. And we, we don't know why, or maybe we do. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of interesting. It is. It is. Because I think we can have, I think to your point, we can have it all just maybe not at once. Mm -hmm. Right. And now that um, I started doing this and I've noticed in my, I'm in my mid thirties, I noticed in my thirties and to everyone listening, you have to manage your time. Like you will be surprised how much time you are wasting and how much time you actually have because we're all on this earth for what 80 to 90 years almost one fourth of that 25 percent of that is just in school right so we need to make sure that we're preparing ourselves to understand what's going on because if we wanted to um, we can accomplish so much we just have to do it 
at different points in our life. Is that something that you had to learn or did you always know that? I learned it the hard way, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was just all of these like bumps and I felt like I wasn't doing anything and then I was doing too much. And it was like this, this like dysfunctional, like all or nothing. That's what it was. And there was never any balance and there was not peace or joy or flow or anything. It was just like totally stressed or like totally like laid out on the floor because I had like completely burnt out. <laughs> well, now looking back and everything that you experienced, everything you experienced from that situation, everything that you learned, would you change it or would you still go through it the same way? I would go through it the same way. I did tell someone the other day though, I kind of wish that I could be the mom I am now to my kids, but at a younger age for them, just to see if that would be different. 